Enough tomfoolery. No more games. Welcome back to Men of the Machine. I'm Kevin. I'm Pat. And today we are... So I'll lay you in on what we're doing here. So have you watched... Um, Screen Junkies is the name of like the overall thing. They made the Honest trailers. Have you seen those yeah. on YouTube? Okay. I know who Screen Junkies Yes. They do at... I think on an, I haven't found the actual YouTube videos they do, but at Comic-Con they do uh, movie fights. Have you seen those? No. All right. Super basic premise. Bring two people who are involved in pop culture and ask them questions that they have to pick answers and debate over who's more right or who's more wrong. Easy. Easy enough. But I thought of a bunch... The one I watched was Kevin Smith versus Elijah Wood. And it was a pretty good one and I had a bunch of questions on there that I wanted to ask you since we didn't really, you know, have anything major lined up. And I... and, And... I'll give you time. I, oh, sorry. I do know that the Kevin Smith is Elijah Wood thing does ring a bell now. <laughs> yeah, that one was that one I really enjoyed so far. And then I started up one where Max Landis is a guest judge, but I only got like five minutes in and decided to listen to. Oh, so get this, J- uh, Jimmy Fallon, I who I don't really like anymore, but he's everyone loves his talk show. He had Slayer on, and they performed Raining Blood on late night yeah. television, and it was oh, no. amazing. It was like I know, I've of, seen it. It was one of the only times I've seen actual like hard rock or heavy metal on one of these talk shows. I saw Metallica perform, but that's really more mainstream, so that's not whatever. Well, that's but. the thing. Like the reason I used to like the reason I got into Conan um, when like Conan, nobody knew who the fuck or cared who the fuck Conan was, mm-hmm. um, was because you used to have like really interesting musical guests back in the day. Like you would have like H two O like hardcore bands. You would have like fucking Dillinger Escape Plan. You would have, like, still today, to this day, probably my favorite late night performance ever was Dillinger Escape Plan uh, on Conan because it was fucking fantastic. I'm sure I could find it on YouTube. Um, but yeah, like, he used to have, like, tons of, like, so, like it's not, to me, it's not that shocking because I'm just like, I mean, it, it's only shocking because it's at, like, the 1130 hour instead of the 1230 hour. But, True. like, because, um, yeah, because Conan used to have fucking amazing guests, like, really off the beaten path guests. And then Jimmy Fallon, I feel like, Really, the shows, really everything he's done since, like, Saturday Night Live has basically just been, like, bringing his nerdery to, like, the uh, world, which is fine, because he and I have similar tastes in a lot of things. Yeah. So, like, it's be- it benefits me for him to have, like, the Save by the Bell cast effect together. It benefits me He's done to some have- pretty amazing, <laughs> like, because he's finally got an insane amount of power and money, he's been able to bring some pretty crazy people together. Exactly. It's- so, Yeah. But so I was, I found it and I was like, oh, cool. And Philip and his daughter, Ray, well, her name's Lorelai. They named her that because they wanted to call her Rory. It's all because of Gilmore Girls. And I I was like, for whatever reason, one time I said something and I called her Ray. And I was like, that was weird. Don't know why I called you that. And Chelsea's like, well, it's my middle name. And I was like, it is your middle name. (laughs) Rolling with it. So now I call her Ray. Anyways, we were laying on the bed because we were getting ready to watch. I watched the Game of Thrones episode, season seven, episode two. First Game of Thrones I've ever seen. It's a wonderful, <laughs> wonderful place to start. But that's neither wow, here nor there. Wow, you were really gonna be fucking wow. Jesus so, Christ. so jumped, I jumped right in, dove right in, head first. So, uh, before that though, we were wasting time, and so we're sitting here, and I put on Raining Blood, and her face—it's—it has nothing to do with the music, and it has everything to do with the pure stimulation of loud noises and bright lights. Her face like lit up. And she, she didn't, like, smile, but, she, you know, she, like, opened up as opposed to babies, how they just kind of, like, face down all the time. So she, like, lit up. 
And I was like, oh, yeah, Phil, check it out. She's feeling it. And then they started the... And I started, like, headbanging a little bit to it. And Ray just started her body kind of side-to-side jigging. is wiggling, sort of. She's going to be my little metalhead when she grows up. It's going to be phenomenal. Uh, that's amazing. But, uh... No, um... Like you, oh, you cheated, you son of a bitch! It's like, okay. It it only gave away. Everybody else waited seven <laughs> fucking years to have Daenerys and Jon Snow meet, and you just jumped into it. <laughs> I just like an it. asshole. I wanted <laughs> it right from the get go. Uh, it was it was pretty cool. Although it made me not like Daenerys Targaryen that much. I was like, wow, you're you're kind of a bitch. You're kind of being a real bitch to my boy Jon. Then and on the flip side, I was like, oh my god, I finally understand why everyone loves Jon so- Snow so much. He's so sweet. He is so great. It was a good point. Well, no, Daenerys, that thing is, like, it's her not really... Like, basically, it's it's pure strategy. Like, basically, the two of them trying not to give anything, like, to each other, but also, yeah. like, I'm like, honestly, like, I already... I've said since season two that one of them is going to be the one that wins the Game of Thrones. Yeah. Because, like, the end, or not, the end of season two, when she's in the House of the Undying... Like she has basically was like a, kind of like a vision quest, mm-hmm. and um, she goes into the Red Keep, and the Iron Throne is there, and there's like stuff like falling onto it that's either snow on the Iron Throne, or ashes on the Iron Throne from her oh, dragon. Oh, because the North and the dra- oh. Yeah. Uh, also, sorry if like, my volume's going up <laughs> and down. Way. I'm trying to find a sweet spot for it to not be peeking out, but because I'm sitting farther away, neither here nor there. No, that was it was a cool episode. I obviously didn't understand most of it, but it was it was fun, sure. It wasn't the best episode to bring someone new into Game no, of Thrones because it was well, no, not because of that, but because it was all talking and I was just like, "Oh, this isn't really doing it for me." And they're like, "Well, th- it, whatever." And then I go into work the next day and everyone's like, "That episode was amazing." I was like, "I don't get it. I don't see what you guys are into right here." <laughs> but i'm sorry i don't, I don't tell you that everybody. that's not i i have phil's i might still while we're talking i'll check um i might he logged in to his hbo on my xbox and if it's still there i'm i am gonna start the show it's just a matter of when because my only days off are thursday and friday in the morning uh before two o'clock so i could get a few episodes in for the next few weeks and then i'll have free time then i'll be able to start watching some stuff but well, there's only 10 episode seasons anyway, so yeah, I mean... Yeah, so I could get through at least, like, one or two seasons before my classes are over, and then when classes are over, I could I could just dive right on in. But, um, no, that's not the point. So, what's gonna, what's gonna happen is, I was watching that thing, and there was a bunch of really great questions that I wanted to ask you, and I also wanted to play sort of, like, devil's advocate, where you answer, and I go, but what about, and then you go, no, 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 this is why this is better, and I go, wait a minute, but you're forgetting, and you go, no, no, no. This is why, and then eventually we'll be done asking questions to each other, and it's going to be great. Uh, some, <laughs> some, I, some I can actually, I, I can debate back and forth with you, but some I, I just can't because it, you know more about movies than I do. That's, that's no, there's no getting around that. Someone added me as a friend, Exponent Tuna. I don't X- know who the fuck that is. Thirty six. I don't want to add you, but I guess I will. You had me with your name. If you got an interesting enough name, I'll pretty much find a way to, to, to add you to it no matter what. All right, so let's start it off big. First question. So this one was greatest living filmmaker alive. That's where the living yeah, that, came That's from. what living comes that's where, from. That, that's where that part slid in yeah. there. So um, also just ahead. side note, 
we passed 600 listens. Whoop, whoop. You have an obsession with that. I don't even I think check. it's cool. <laughs> it's so neat. I just, I, I mean, again, probably like 450 of them are just like the five of us who have it subscribed. So it auto downloads every time. And then you go, what the hell? But neither here nor there. It's still really exciting. So yes, uh, uh, greatest living filmmaker. Ready, set, break. Oh, I'll give you a hint. I'll give you. You want me to give you the answers they put out, and you can just name someone no. else because you probably will. Okay. All right. Okay, fine. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go okay. Ahead. So I, I'll just... I already know. Because for me, it'd be between Christopher Nolan and Quentin Tarantino. Oh, okay. Yeah. See, that's neither of them. So Elijah Wood <laughs> said uh, Steven Spielberg for obvious reasons. Uh, the other guy whose name I don't know, who's a producer for Screen Junkies and whatever, uh, said uh, Martin Scorsese again. Good choice. And. Kevin Smith came out of left field and said Kevin Feige. He didn't because uh. because it was it was it was filmmaker, not director, not producer, not it was, so he he argued that in the last ten years there's been sixteen incredibly well rated movies that he has dictated and been a part of. So it was a good point, but yours were who again? Quentin Tarantino and Christopher Nolan. Okay. Okay. So as give me See, in the cases though of both Scorsese and Spielberg, like if you count their like their classics, then yeah, obviously. But the thing is, they're both on like Chris, like like okay, not to be a dick, but like name the last time you saw a Spielberg movie that you were really excited about. He he brought up uh, um, Ready Player One. He was like, "Did you see that trailer? Oh, get ready for it." I don't think I don't even. I meant to talk about that on the fucking thing, but I'm just like. I, it's so fucking forgettable to me, which is weird because I love that book, but it's so fucking forgettable to me that I forgot the trailer existed after it. As, as, as I'm saying, like, oh first now- shit, bitch! HBO Go is, is logged on under my Xbox. I gotta go. I'm gonna go start watching episode one right about now. <laughs> um, that was sarcasm. Continue. <laughs> that's the thing. Is like Spielberg. Like, it's when they first said he was doing Ready Player One. I'm like, holy shit, yes. And then I watched the trailer. I'm like, fuck. Like, I was like, because in my head, I'm thinking, like, 80 Spielberg, maybe even 90 Spielberg. Yeah, he brought up, like, Jaws and stuff like that, and he's like, well, how can you argue unfair. with it? Well, that's, so, that's, so his his point was, I know, we're not arguing their points, I'm if just... We're gonna but, play, obviously, if we're going to play that game, then, like, George Lucas is in that mix. He made yeah, fucking Star Wars. Like, yeah, no, yeah. fuck you. No, yeah, like, he, he was just saying, Elijah was just going with the fact that leaving a footprint on cinema like what they were able to do that's what he was like hey just just remember that and you're like yeah i remember it but whatever he still did a lot of shit too so you gotta yada yada you go with why nolan and tarantino that's what this is about i'm saying quentin has already left a huge footprint basically quentin changed movies in the 90s he changed Mm -hmm. structure he changed dialogue he changed the way people do characters he changed literally everything about film in the 90s Mm -hmm. like Nolan is in the process of basically transforming film, but like people don't even see his influence. But like to go into the Kevin Feige thing, the Marvel movies wouldn't fucking exist if it wasn't for Christopher fucking Nolan making Batman Begins. Because okay. even okay. uh, John Favreau was like, that was the biggest influence on Iron Man. Like, because it was like basically taking superheroes in the real world and basically making everything believable so that like it's. Basically, that, like, that, that, and that's your launching point for the entire Marvel Cinematic Universe. Everything is basically spawned off of Iron Man, which is spawned off of Batman Begins. So, like, if you want to make that argument, but at the same time, like, Christopher Nolan's, for the first time, he, he's still leaving his footprint. Like, he's very much, like, in the kind of the beginning, or at least the midpoint of his career. Like, 
So right. if you give him more time, I think he would reach, like he probably will reach, like Scorsese status. So so lay it on me other than obviously the Batman and uh, Dunkirk. Lay, what What's some other movies Nolan? Literally everything he, uh, following was his first movie, which is really underrated. Um, then he made Memento, which was amazing. Oh, wait, Memento. Uh, Memento with, with Guy Pierce and... Yeah, or... it takes place backwards. Oh, that's one of my favorite movies. I didn't know that was Christopher Nolan. That movie's yeah. absurd. Oh, it's, it's funny. Got... When they first announced uh, him as the director of Batman Begins, I was like, so the guy that did Memento is doing Batman? Like, fuck yes. I was just like, I'm I, down for whatever I had no I idea who made that. That movie is... I always forget about how much I love that movie. I watched that. That was like one of the very few movies I actually watched by myself. I was just like, ah, I'll throw on this movie my buddy Matt was talking about. And then I watched it like six times in a row. I love that movie. But other movies that Nolan's done. I obviously know uh, all of Tarantino's movies. Yeah, and then like uh, there's – he made the Insomnia remake with Al Pacino and um, Robin Williams, which is one of the few like American that remakes. the one where uh, Robin Williams has blonde hair and he's a murderer? No, he he's a murderer, but it's a different movie. You're thinking one hour photo. Got it. Um, but uh, but no, um, it's one of the few like American remakes of a European film that I honestly think is better, um, than the original. Um, but yeah, then he made Batman Begins. Then he made The Prestige. Then he made The Dark Knight. Oh, okay. Okay. Then he made Inception, which is okay. as far as I'm concerned one of the greatest blockbusters of all time. Okay. Um, that's at Spielberg level for me. Um. Made Dark Knight Rises, obviously. Made Interstellar, now made Dunkirk. Interstellar, that was the one I was fishing for. Okay, that isn't that. Didn't that win an Oscar? Which awards no. is whatever, but it didn't win any. No, it didn't. Oh, it might win like it might win like technical Oscars. Okay. It didn't win any like oh, no. picture. Yeah, but. I just thought I remembered that one. Everyone loves that freaking movie, Interstellar. It's too. His movies. I are... don't. I it, to me, it's his weakest movie, but it's still good. Like it's like. There's there's certain filmmakers where like even their movies that I think of their lesser works like so with Quentin Tarantino and Jackie Brown I'm like even their lesser works I still think are really fucking good. Which really we have in the five dollar movie bin or the four dollar three ninety nine movie bin a four yeah. pack of Tarantino movies. It has Pulp Fiction. It has Reservoir Dogs. Re- Reservoir Dogs. It's got Jackie Brown and what's the maybe it's a three pack. It might it's a three pack. It's definitely a three pack. Anyways, those three movies three for four dollars. Those are his first three films. Oh, what a deal. Anyways, so my argument would be on on the other on the two sides is not to say Tarantino's aren't incredibly well crafted and intellectual movies. Christopher Nolan movies make me think way more than I want to. He's he's so deep. He's such a deep guy. Something's gone on in his life to turn him into who he is. But so his movies have that going for them. There's always some level that you have to dig for as well as what's on the surface. Awesome. That's kind of what you want out of art, right? You want to be able mm. to kind of sift through this and that and who's and what's and's. But Tarantino's films, if I if we're talking specifically these two, there is a no one who can duplicate his style. Like I've I, and I, many have tried. Have many have tried? Yes. There's <laughs> you can't make a movie inspired like or, sorry not inspired like mimicking almost you know how certain people they're like yeah this person inspired my movie when in reality they just tried to make it as if they were them you can't do that with tarantino yes he can inspire you but you can't like try to steal elements so in that regard there is no one as unique as tarantino when it comes to making a film i you know even someone like me who does not know all these names and whatnot is like oh shit that's a tarantino film okay got it Indeed. moving on it's it's absurd and reservoir dogs is one of the greatest movies of all time it's my favorite Indeed. of tarantino's movies 
It's mine too. Um, I do think his best film is probably Pulp Fiction, but That's my right. favorite film is Reservoir Dogs. So, so real quick, I just want to go through the ones because I know I'm going to be missing some. You've got Pulp, Reservoir, Jackie Brown. You've got Kill Bill. You've got uh, uh, what was that? The Grindhouse one that he did. The, the Death Proof. You got Death Proof. You've got Django Unchained, and you've got The Hateful Eight. And there's one I'm missing. I feel like there is one you're missing, but now you've you've said them all in the wrong order, so now I can't remember. I get all over the place with it. There's one I'm missing in there, but they're all so Uh, similar and so different that I don't think you can be like, Tarantino's only got one thing. It's like, no, he has it one style necessarily, but it's not like one element that you are just repeating over and over and over again. Besides maybe like Inglorious Bastards. Ah, that's what it is. I love killing Nazis. How could I not remember that one? Um so that would be my my nod towards him, which I'm not saying Nolan is at all, but y- you can... M- he... How do I say this? Nolan movies feel like, and this is coming from a non-movie buff, feel like Scorsese movies to a degree, The orig- like as far as the overall t- like feel, the tension, the tone that runs throughout. In fairness, I think that they're like way bigger than Scorsese yes. really oh, did. The like they're more epic in scope. Ooh, yeah. Yes. But as, so... That's one of those movies, like I said, with Memento. No idea. I would have never known. I would have guessed a thousand directors and never gotten it right on who directed that. But if you if you point, pull up Kill Bill and show it to someone, you, there's no one else who could make that movie. Especially that movie. I'm not saying that the other ones aren't, but Kill Bill alone is so ridiculously well crafted and all over the place that you're like, oh, okay, yeah, no, know totally, who, yeah. And, that's, and again, I'm not like trying to say anything against scorsese or spielberg but it's like i mean even scorsese who i love Mm -hmm. like his like 70s output yeah hell yeah like taxi driver is my favorite movies ever oh yeah but like that one that's a good and wolf well they they said wolf of wall street as like a modern example they're like he made wolf of wall street 30 years after he was done being great quote unquote and you know he still was able to put out a phenomenal movie that was a big a big thing again i'm not i'm not disputing it i'm just saying like even if you put like wolf of wall street against like i mean if you put it against like even like i mean it's hard to compare because it's just like whatever but like but you put like wolf of wall street against inception like <laughs> inception's a much stronger film like, yeah, okay that's fair that's fair all right so <laughs> end of the day i vote for tarantino over nolan but i think tarantino's got more um like solidified whereas nolan has more room to grow exactly Exactly. So, that's the which, whole thing. That's why, so I, that's why the I, I pick Tarantino. You just pick one. Just just randomly say a name that pops in your head, and that's the one we're going with for you. I mean, I okay. It, it, if you're just going on current output and not, not on potential, then yes, obviously Quentin Tarantino would be the one I would pick. But I do okay. think it's interesting. 20 years like, from now, who knows what we'll be saying. Exactly. Okay. That's fair. No, that's fair. Which, before I move on to the next question, this is not from the... This is just a really quick, like, two-minute of classics i guess slash modern horror movie directors who had the best post horror movie career or i guess entwined because they always go back to it wait like what do you mean like like so so like i know john carpenter specifically from halloween uh, but he yeah. did the thing right is that the other one that, he's, that done a, he's done yeah, a ton yeah. of movies. so he's done stuff <laughs> I own like all that. of them <laughs> he does stuff like that but i've never known a movie that he made that wasn't a scary movie i'm sure there is but i'm so who is a horror director moved on past horror and had the most successful career just this in is fair, just a curiosity question not a like opinion i'm just reaching I was out saying, in fairness, i don't really know that 
Carpenter really completely moved past her because he made some things that were that weren't her that were amazing, like Escape from New York, um, like Big Trouble in Little China. Okay, but like. When it, when he kind of tried to get out of horror and like did like Memoirs of Invisible Man, he kind of like immediately like jumped back into horror because nobody liked that movie. It just, Ooh, and Sam Raimi. Sam Raimi is definitely an example. Um, I just know that because of Spider Man. That's no, all yeah, I got. It's, it's, well, I think because Sam Raimi started out because okay, the thing I think every horror director should do is as soon as you make a really well like loved horror movie, your next movie don't make a fucking horror movie. Because once you started making, like, once you became a horror director, that's all they'll let you do. Like, and it's really, really shitty. Like, it's the reason, like, you have guys like Toby Hooper who, like, I'm sure could probably do other things. And he said he got into filmmaking to make comedies. And he made Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And then just after that, he just kept getting offered horror. So he was just like, all right. Yeah, paycheck's a paycheck, sure. And then he got pigeonholed, and that sucks. Um... But yeah, like I mean, that's the thing though is like yeah, if, if going off of that off the top of my head, I mean, like I'd have to kind of give it more thought. I mean, also Peter Jackson, be a really good example. Oh, what did um, he do that was scary? All of his original movies, like his like, um, he started out doing like he did like Dead Alive, um, he did um, uh, Bad Taste, um, he yeah he did like a bunch of like low budget horror movies. Uh, in fact, like his first like his American breakthrough, which nobody like seems to remember that well, but I love it so much, is uh, the Frighteners with Michael J. Fox. Um, Wasn't James Cameron's first movie a scary movie? Yeah, um, and you could argue that he's like you could argue the Terminator is as well. But yeah, he started with Piranha Two: <laughs> The Spawning. Um, Hot dog. But that was really that's I mean. It, it, that one that's clearly just like a job he took. So I don't know yeah. if you can call him or, like, a or horror filmmaker. James Gunn with Slither. Yeah, but James Gunn always like you can click. He he started off in Trauma, so like basically. What I think is I, I think Trauma? Like, they talk about Trauma and tell him Steve Dave all the time. What the hell is that? Trauma is a movie studio. It's basically like um, they make like low budget schlocky horror. Um, like they're like, but they're also like lean really heavily on comedy because they know how fucking ridiculous they are. Did they make like Trick or Treat? No, no, no. no that's, ginger Dead Man. No, that's Full Moon. Okay. Um. Trauma is more like is more funny and more like gross out. Um, but they did like Toxic Avenger and stuff like that. Uh, what's that movie where his twin is like this weird thing that he carries around in a basket and it's like this basket head case? Thing? Okay, well, okay, there you go. I was on the right track. Is that trauma? <laughs> uh, no, that's that's again that that was because basically okay. In the eighties, like there's tons of shit that came out from like decently reputable studios because. Like, it's a weird thing where we live in kind of an age where, like, kind of the exploitation film, if it isn't dead, it's kind of moved on to just being straight-to-video shit. Yeah. Whereas, like, in the 80s and the 70s and everything, you would have tons of shit that was released that was just, like, studios were putting it out, but it was just, like, because they they cost nothing to make, and they would make a decent amount of money. Like, if you make a movie, it's a reason, like, people were like, why do they keep making Saw movies? I'm like, because if it costs, like, let's say it costs, like, $5 to make one. And then they even like the lesser like ones, even mm-hmm. the lesser successful ones, make like fifty million dollars. You've still made like a, like a fucking ten times your investment. So like, of course you're gonna fucking make those because why the fuck wouldn't you? Like yeah. it's pure. You do a it's blockbuster just, that doesn't work. It's a broken ATM that just keeps throwing money at you. You're just like, I don't know why it's doing this, but I'm gonna keep clicking this button. Exactly. Um, but yeah, like trauma. Yeah, and then like the, the actually James gonna made my favorite trauma movie which is Tromeo and Juliet, 
which is literally exactly what it sounds, where it's like a low budget, like vaguely horror, mostly comedy, uh, retelling of Romeo and Juliet. Um, and it's amazing. It's so good. Um, that's actually how I knew he would be like when they, when they, like they said he was directing Slither, writing directing Slither. I'm like, all right. Like I was just like he made the only actually like what I would call legitimately good trauma movie. Cause a lot of people point to like Class of Nukem High and Toxic Avenger, which I, both movies I like. I don't dislike them. I own them both. Uh-huh. But it's like the only one that I would actually call legitimately good is Romeo and Juliet. I'll have to type in and look up some trauma stuff. Which by the way, I watched Tusk and I really really liked it. I hated the ending. But I'm going to go listen to the podcast, and that'll make me like the ending more, and I'll be all set. It's it's the exact same uh, thing I have with Yoga Hosers. Like, if you listen to the intent of Kevin Smith making a movie, it made me appreciate the movie more than it actually being good. So the end of Tusk, didn't like, but supposedly the podcast, when he's talking about it, it's exactly what he was laughing about saying he was going to make. Like, just the idea that he thought it was hilarious and ridiculous, and he just, instead of going with... I should actually make this good. He just went, no, 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 I said it, and I'm doing it. It makes me appreciate it more, so I'm going to do that. I mean, whatever. Whatever makes you happy, buddy. Like, I mean, if a movie is a piece of shit, I don't care, like, what they intended. Like, it's still a piece of shit. Like, Yoga Hose is a piece of shit, which really upsets me. But, like, that thing is, like, I actually, I told, I think I've told you this story before, where it's, like, I spent, like, I was telling this to one of my bosses the other day Mm -hmm. at work, where I was just, like, I spent, like, basically, like, I didn't, I briefly went to film school, and I hate it, because basically you're just, like, beholden to what the teacher wants to show you. Yes. Um, which is really annoying. Um, I was actually so talking to Franny about that. I was like, I wouldn't mind going to community college for some sort of, like, film education classes, but I backed out. What's the thing? Like, because the, the, the thing is, I actually, like, I had read something with Soderbergh, who actually, again, I would, another guy who, even though if he wasn't so hit or miss, I would definitely put him in the greatest filmmakers conversation, but, um, but like where he was talking about, this is actually why it really pisses me off. They've stopped putting so much, like they stopped packing movies with features because that was film school to me. Like that was the whole thing is it was basically like you would basically get this movie. And then you, if you're a movie, you just fucking go through all these features, like the commentary and all the shit. And that's how you learn about filmmaking because it's stuff that you want to learn about. Like, it's like, mm-hmm. I don't care about learning about like these movies this guy wants to show me. I care about learning about like sex lives and videotape. Um, but that's the whole thing is like um, the way, just like the way like I used to like look at filmmaking like as like an a- academic where I would look at people's um, careers and kind of like chart them. Where like, you watch like the up and you watch the down, and like I never lived it before like. Um, like the 90s, like whatever, where it was like the 2000s, when like my three favorite filmmakers that weren't John Carpenter, I guess my four favorite, were um, Kevin Smith, uh, Quentin Tarantino, Robert Rodriguez, and uh, David Fincher. And the only one I would say isn't in their downturn, or at least if they are, it's still a really strong downturn, is Quentin. Mm -hmm. Because like everybody else, like I feel like, I guess Quentin and Fincher are the, the closest to what they were. Um, Rodriguez and Smith are just making utter shit. And it actually really, really bothers me to watch. I don't even know what Robert Rodriguez makes anymore. Yeah, you're, that's for the best. Like, <laughs> Not missing out. It, it's funny how, like, it really, it, the, the thing that sucks most about being 10 years in between Sin City stories was that 
he was a really great filmmaker and he was at his peak when he made the first Sin City. Mm-hmm. And he is not even, he's so far down that I knew that the second Sin City movie was going to be a piece of shit. And it was actually worse than I thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. I was just like, and it was, Which, it, it, hurt, when you, it hurts me even more because my favorite fucking Sin City story. Yeah, when you do such a comic book remake like the first Sin City, how do you not carry that through to just, hey, the second one, just take the panels, put them on screen just like he did before? No, no, no he did. did. It just, it, he, it just, it, that's the thing is like, it's, I don't know what it is, but it's just like, I guess like your taste changes or like yeah. when, as you get more like um, your technical knowledge grows, your like kind of cinema IQ goes down. I don't know, but like, it's like he it's there's a there's a fuck me man like it just it bothers me that that's as bad as it is and it bothers me to say how shitty yoga hosers is but yoga hosers fucking sucks and it bothers me i love i literally it. only bought it because it was kevin smith and i own every other kevin smith movie yeah you might as well at this like, point you'll die with the whole thing so it's worth it exactly i can't not which is really fucking frustrating but yes it, it to me it's like so tusk was kevin smith got super stoned and came up with a movie idea and then sobered up and went and made it Yoga Hosers is, which isn't true, but Yoga Hosers is Kevin Smith got super stoned, came up with an idea, got super stoned, and made it. That's how I, so it, to me, it's, again, it's, he loves it, so I love it, which is the exact epitome of who I am as a person. It's how it works with me and you, and, and I don't think it's ever going to change. So, let's move on to the next question. Okay. Uh, most celebrated comic book movie in 50 years. 50 years from today, what movie, and it can be past or present, what movie do you think will be celebrated and, and sought after and appreciated just as much? 50 years. Uh, the Dark Knight. That was what Elijah Wood said. Yeah. And then, Dark Knight is the, the high watermark of uh, superhero films. Like, that literally was, you took an auteur, like one of the, maybe the best filmmaker of his generation, mm-hmm. and had him make a superhero movie. Like... Mm-hmm. I don't know that you'll ever get better than that. Like, I don't know that's possible. So, Kevin Smith said Guardians of the Galaxy, and I'll explain why See, in a minute. I love and, Guardians, but I don't think it's as strong. And the other guy said Wonder Woman. So, the the, the, the plus to be made for Wonder Woman was all the records it broke for a woman uh, director and a uh, woman lead and a, obviously representation of woman superhero on the big screen. There's been a lot of stuff like that, especially like San Diego Comic-Con. There was like 7,000 different news things about like going around to little girls dressed as woman or as Wonder Woman and being like, what does this mean to you? And all this stuff. And it was awesome. So that's what he was talking about. Like this, this was monumental and it can move towards, you know, this more equal storytelling perspective, yada, yada. Uh, Kevin's uh, version argument for guardians of the galaxy was the fact that it was like a family story and it's up in space it's not like a real world thing so you you're not trying to relate you're trying to escape all this good stuff um and their digs towards dark knight was it's how well they'll hold up so cinematically yes dark knight will hold up forever i mean it's oh it's so good and heath ledger's performance and christian bale's batman and all this fun stuff but there's a lot of stuff that will also kind of like not age super well like the surveillance stuff that came out uh for that, well, that movie. doesn't matter. I know, but that's what their arguments are. I'm just playing devil's advocate okay, here. Whatever. Um, and then they also made the argument that yes, it's obviously a comic book movie. It's Batman, but that movie was made almost, you know, without the thought of comic books. Like it was like that movie you could substitute in, you know, any name or look for the main character and main villain, and you still it's just such a well made, well crafted movie 
that it's not necessarily when you think immediately comic book when you think of all these superheroes and this fantastical wonderful nonsense they were trying to say that that's more of like the real life and we're not tying that in so but for you if it was that quick for dark knight i'm not even gonna ask other questions i know how much you love that movie it's not even a matter of love it's a matter of like if you're asking which will be important because i think it's like the whole stuff and i don't mean this as an insult but like the whole stuff with wonder woman i'm like that's gonna be important but it's me basically like a footnote like if if the movie was on the level of the dark knight then yeah it would be like that would make it the most important movie ever but that's the problem is it's like it's not because it took nobody else can make something on that level but christopher nolan at that point where it's just like he was peaking as a filmmaker at the exact moment he was making this comic book movie so nobody else is gonna be able to touch him because it was like one of the great maybe the greatest filmmaker of his generation making his best maybe probably one of his two best movies i think that in inception yeah. uh so it's like you, you can't touch it you just can't like it's like and, I, and I, I love guardians i love wonder woman but like neither even close yeah and i i wouldn't i just don't one of my uh uh asterisks towards guardians is i don't feel like when so when phase three is or phase four is fully completed in the mcu when they wrap up this cast basically yeah. When this casting of Marvel's wrapped up, it's going to be one giant footnote. Not footnote, one giant event. Like that's you're not going to remember specifically uh Winter Soldier, which is my favorite from the MCU. Yeah. You're going to remember oh shit, Iron Man and then Thor and they made the Avengers and then the, oh Civil War happened, they fought Thanos and this happened and this care like you're going to remember everything, not that one. Like yeah. I still have that happen with the MCU. Like I don't remember when hulk and thor fought i mean i obviously do i'm just using that as an example it's like i know it happened sometime in this whole crazy 16 movie run that we've been experiencing but i just can't remember exactly when that's why i take out pretty much anything from the mcu uh dark knight would be close the original christopher reeve superman is still something everyone talks about nonstop. oh no yeah that'll always i think it'll continue to be celebrated maybe not more but at least equal to and then the only other one i might try to argue for would be x2 but no that's just a me thing that's not a societal thing so no no yeah that's it's either original superman or dark knight for me so that's fair i'll I'll concede to the dark knight i like that fair enough all right next question i'm trying to i didn't realize how long we were going to talk about everything else so (laughs) we're already at 35 minutes and i've only got three more questions so let's get through them (laughs) bringing us back to horror scariest movie scene of all time scary so take take a minute no take a minute because i've got a few in my head that that i just i can't shake and they freak me the fuck out like right now i'm sitting uh, you'll you'll probably know the scene i'm talking about immediately right now i'm sitting uh on the futon i've got the computer and mic in front of me and my feet are hanging over and there's lots of empty space right now where my achilles are very exposed and i would i would be lying if i said i wasn't at least a little bit shook as a 26 year old man like i want to pick my feet up and cross them so that they're not exposed do you know the scene i'm talking about you're in a pet cemetery, yeah. Yeah, where he goes and he cuts the old man. Oh, oh, but that might not be the most scary for me. I, I have two that I can't shake. So, if you don't have one, give me a few and we'll narrow it down. Um, that's the thing, is like... Or I can give you theirs. Um, see, cause that's the thing, though, is it's so personal that it's like, it's hard to like Oh my be, God, it is. Like, uh, it's so difficult. Because it's like... For me, like, off the top of my head, I had something that I instantly thought of, but it's like, I don't know, man, like, 
Liver, ah, fuck. Like, because again, it's for like it's, I can only really speak for me personally. So, so, so speak for you, because I know, growing up Catholic, you're spooked by ghouls and ghosts and demons. So, so oh. I'm, I'm gonna <laughs> guess it's one of those, like a paranormal. Oh no, it's actually one. not. It, oh. Paranormal activity to this day is still like that was like the first time in my life that like because okay, my whole life people have been saying like about like like the the hairs back of your neck standing up. Yeah. And like that's never happened to me. Even like when I watched I watched The Exorcist with my brother and I fell asleep first oh. time I watched The Exorcist. Oh my god. That's like. It, it did not freak me out. Um, I like it now. At the time, I was just like, "This is fucking dumb." Well, it's um, a it's a it's a slow burn. It's definitely a slow burn movie. But yeah, um, but no, like, see, for me personally, it's like there's like one bit that I still can't watch uh, the movie without getting the sense memory of how fucking scared I was when I first watched it and get freaked out. Is uh, the original Nightmare on Elm Street um, oh. when she falls asleep when Nancy falls asleep in school. And like basically is menaced by Freddy, and like the to me the most freaky part was like the bit like when she first falls asleep and her friend who just been murdered is in the body bag and like is talking to her, and I watched that as, when I saw it I watched it as a child, and it scared me so badly like it's like and I wouldn't admit it because like I a like I was just like I'm never gonna tell anyone I'm scared like that's that's pussy <laughs> I'm a tough guy and then, it, that don't and then it's like and then on top of that I was just like if I tell my parents I got scared like they like they already don't let me watch this shit but they'll like actively stop me yeah so I was just like I can't fucking do it so like um I ended up I basically just buried it but like yeah that shit fucking freaked me out really really badly as a child so like I can't think of anything that scared me more than that that's, like I'm trying, but no, that's a good one. I'll give you so I'll give you theirs, and then I'll give you a handful of mine, and we'll see where we land. So one of theirs was Eli, Elijah Woods. You would probably know the film. I have I can't even remember the name of it. It's like this opening crazy scene, like this guy is tied to a chair and he's like stabbing himself in the stomach, and it's all black and white. It's very old. It's a very old movie. He's just straight in the stomach, like ripping into himself. It's super eerie, super disturbing. Uh. Kevin Smith. Oh well, the other guys was the psycho shower scene, classic. Okay. Yeah, that's just it's not necessarily scary, but it's it's just so like at the time I can imagine it being pretty scary, but whatever. Yeah. Kevin's was um, The Shining when the kids rolling through the hallway and the little girls pop up. That was his, and that one won out of that one. But I think I knew people were gonna pick The Shining. I never thought The Shining was scary. I just thought The Shining was like cool, but yeah. I never like I always looked at The Shining kind of academic level. I never looked at it from like. Uh, like, oh god, I'm so scared. Level. <laughs> yeah. So there's a handful of ones for me, and they all have a very similar trend, except for the last one. What terrifies me in movies is not showing me the goddamn bad guy a thousand times. <laughs> that doesn't work for me. It does nothing. Yeah. I don't care at the end of the movie. I'm just like, what the fuck? Who? This doesn't matter. Um, like a movie that I think treads that line of showing you too much but keeping it at like an arm's length really well is Jeepers Creepers. I really like that movie. I love, I love I, Jeepers that movie. Scares yeah. you pretty good. But okay, so my top ones. B- virtually any fucking scene in Jaws, and I think that's pretty obvious, but uh, specifically, the scene when he's just, and it's not even like the scariest scene in the movie, but when he's just chumming the water and he tur- and the sh- shark just pops out of nowhere and his face just comes up near the boat, sent me swimming. I couldn't, oh buddy. Hooey! Uh, the next one is not, again, not a scary scene, but it sets the tone for the movie, is the original Halloween, when Mike Myers is standing by the tree when she looks out. Mm-hmm. that oh my god again it's not like i mean you see it and you're just like oh wow that he's standing out there and she notices him and doesn't really do anything about it and then turns and he's gone but it's the tone that it sets 
about how he's always there and always gone at the same time. You never know Mike Myers is going to be around. That's that's the whole thing. Is actually like I was actually going to say like like I, if I could pick all of Halloween, but that thing is like because I was actually t- telling because um, I was watching It Follows and Slither uh, with my friend Alyssa last night, mm-hmm. and uh, she was like, "There's one point in It Follows where the girl like uh, basically constantly has like, a good she always has like a, a chair in front of the door like blocking it so it can't like open, and like she's just like I would put the whole fucking dresser in front of my uh, door. I'm like I actually did that like. And, like, because I thought Michael Myers was coming to get me. And then she was just like, oh, I'm just like, and not even, like, as a child, child. He's, like, up to, like, 12 <laughs> or 13 years old. Like, I was just, I was like, like, 21 I was really, or 22 years old. <laughs> I, was like, I was, like, 12 or 13, but I was still really fucking convinced that Michael Myers was going to come to kill me. <laughs> like, So, yeah, he, he is, without a doubt, for me, the scariest movie, uh, uh, horror villain. But that's not what we're talking about. The last one for me is from The Exorcist. I know you said it didn't scare you, but just the moment... There's a ton of really scary spots, and I really don't like... Uh, the book is scarier, but the movie does a good job of, like, when he's just sitting next to the devil inside of this girl for... It just... It made me feel all sorts of squirmy. But when she crab walks down the stairs backwards, I That lost, wasn't in the original cut. I don't care. I don't care. I lost my shit, dude. I free... So, I'm watching this movie. I'm 13 years old with Ryan Miller. 12 or 13 years old. Watching it. It's 1 o'clock in the morning. It's on Cinemax, and we're like, yeah, we'll stay up and watch that. So, we're like playing video games and whatever it's a weekend who cares we're kids uh we stayed awake we start watching it i fall asleep five minutes in because like you know it's just a talking movie at first about 40 40 minutes in 35 minutes in the bed starts shaking right when the bed starts shaking is when i woke up and i was like oh shit what's happening and he's like oh the movie's you know we're watching. so i was like okay so i'll watch it with you goes through all the shit she starts turning and getting like the raspy voice and stabbing herself in the vagina with the cross and when they're downstairs talking about what they're going to do, and she came down those stairs, I kid you not, have you ever scared a cat? Have you ever snuck up behind a cat and spooked it? That's what happened to me. I flew off that couch so high into the air. I did not know how to contain the fear. That was the first time I've ever felt like that. Like, I felt scared, but usually I watch scary movies with my mom, so I had that, like, you know, you could nestle backwards into your mom, like, oh, God. Oh, God. And she'd be like, it's okay. Ryan was not soothing at all. Ryan was the opposite of soothing. He took joy in my pain. And I, oh, I screamed. We woke his parents up. I, I did. Because I was like, change the fucking channel. Like, her, her face was all, I couldn't take it. That will never not sit with me. So, but aside from that, another to f- see how much of a pussy I can honestly be when it comes to being scared. Jaws fucked me up in a way. I couldn't shower by myself until I was like 14 years old because the sensation of water on my skin sent me screaming. Well, that's the thing. The thing about Jaws, like, is I first saw it when I was six years old. So you think it really fucking freaked me out? I it did nothing for me. Like, that's I didn't like even that, like it. That's like that transition age of finding. Like you either go one way or you go the other, and you. Well, you... fine, but like. <laughs> But yeah, like I watched it with my cousins because like um my my cousins about how they'd watch it. My dad would let me watch it, and then like uh, watch it with like them and like I was like it was the same thing. The Exorcist. I'm like people think this is scary. Like this isn't fucking oh scary. Oh my god! You and know how like it was like as I'm saying like the, when you mentioned like, the like paranormal was the first time that like I was in the theater and like, the hairs in the back of my neck stood up. Like I was so scared. Like by the end of the movie, like I literally was like I was afraid to leave the theater. I was afraid the entire drive home. Were you by we yourself? Home, or? No, it was my brother. Oh, okay. Um, as soon as we got home, it was in the old, my old apartment. 
I've basically built like this one though. I turned on literally every light in my apartment and just sat in the living room until I passed out. And he's like, are you afraid to go in your room? And I'm like, I'm not on trial here. <laughs> <laughs> I've had that happen where I've had to have lights on or something. Uh, which is weird because I 90% of the time when I'm home by myself, it's every light off except the TV. But if something, like, even if I'm watching, you know how I love those Watch Mojo lists? If I watch, like, a Watch Mojo list of, like, scariest bad guy entrances ever, I'm like, okay, all right, slowly get up, this light first. Okay, the door of the hallway's kind of dark. Let's creep out. Okay, that light on. Oh, God, the kitchen's got some shadows in there. Okay, let's creep out there. That light on. I can't. I I don't mind. I, you know, I like being scared, but woo-hoo-wee. <laughs> so, with that being said, what was your what was your one again? Uh, Nightmare on Elm Street when she... I think it's Nancy's first nightmare. I, I'll I'll give you that one over mine, because uh, that was... Like I said, the, the Exorcist was one I watched by myself. That movie, I watched with my mom, so I had that safety blanket, because she loves horror movies, so I had that, like, nestle-up safety blanket. But Freddy scared the... Sh- I had so many nightmares of Freddy uh, crew. What's the thing? The like, Jason never scared... Like, Jason was nope. always kind of like my hero, because yeah. he was basically like the Hulk that just murdered people. And I was yeah. just like... <laughs> and he's like... I mean, maybe I knew it was straight edge from a very young age... Where I was just like, I was like, if you just don't fucking do drugs, he's not going to do anything to you. Like, <laughs> that was your influence. <laughs> it's like, you, you don't go in the woods, you don't fuck, and you don't do drugs, he's not going to kill you. He's just going to stay in his little area and just kill people to do that. So I'm going to be fine. Like, it's like, hey, maybe at some point, like... We should start showing this at those, like, dare classes in, in school, remember? Yeah. <laughs> the drugs, whatever. Yeah. Oh, I still have... I have uh, one of... Because I told Jonna... I always wanted a dare shirt because, like, to me, it was the perfect like, straight edge thing. Yeah. Um, but I never kept any as an adult, and they definitely wouldn't fit me now. Um, but she had, like, a random large one that was too big for her that she, like, threw to me that I still wear. Like, it's just because like, I, I love Win-win. it. Win-win. But, uh, but, yeah, like, Jason never scared me. Michael Myers did scare me. But, like, Freddie was kind of the middle ground because, like, Freddie most of the time didn't scare me. But, like, if I had a – like, I remember one time I did have a nightmare about Freddie – and I woke up and I was terrified. Well, that's the other I catch to like, Freddy is that, it, Michael, you're scared of when you're awake. Freddy, yeah, exactly. you're scared of all the time. You're like, if I close my eyes right now, I might have a dream because that's his whole thing. I exactly. might have, like, it's a lose-lose situation. It's like Indeed. me with water, you know? Similar, sure. but different. Uh, all right, next. And this one, I, I'm, I'm sure you'll have an immediate answer because you are super, super passionate about f- films. But, like, not just, we know how knowledgeable you are. I'm talking, like, pure love. Erase one film from existence. Wipe it out. Completely make it none. Never have happened. And never either put an asterisk on that director or influence a work of art that you love. Completely gone. <laughs> Yoga hosers. Oh. <laughs> no, that's too, no, if anything, you. I would expect you more to say cop out, but... No, because Yoga Hoser is worse than Cop Out. <laughs> like, I didn't know that it was, it was there was depths to plumb after Cop Out, but he showed me that there was. That's fair. Um, uh, so I'll give you theirs. So uh, Elijah Wood said Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. And his main reason was, well, he had a ton of arguments. But his main reason was, was it took something so quote-unquote pure he explains how it's not pure but he's but he's like you know gene wilder at least made wait you... wait oh it's about willy wonk and the Charlie factory charlie and Chocolate factory is tim burton's yes he wants charlie gone oh okay he wants willy wonka to stay so he's like willy wonka okay. you obviously felt creepy about but it was whimsical and fun and even like gene wilder's portrayal you were like let's keep seeing where this guy's going like you wanted to smile and like it whereas charlie and the chocolate factory was very um gloomy and uh molesty and and creepy 
and he didn't like that. So that was his. The other guy's was um, Jaws 2. <laughs> and his entire reasoning for Jaws 2 being Wait, gone, wait, wait, wait. Of all the Jaws movies to No, race. no. Yes, no, no. This is, <laughs> his reasoning is perfect. His reasoning is perfect. So you get rid of Jaws 2 because he feels... Jaws was, was like the original summer blockbuster. So Jaws 2 was the start of the cultural trend oh shit, something made money, quick, put out another one. So if you get rid of Jaws 2, which was shit followed up following a phenomenal movie, you also, at least at that point in time, erase the whole, like, quick, make more money, people like Jaws, oh crap, or, well, Terminator's not a good example, because that one clearly was great. But, you know, there's tons of things. Aliens had that happen with some shitty Aliens movies, and so on and so forth. So that was his reasoning for Jaws 2. Kevin Smith kind of, uh, what's it, uh, um... Kobe, Kobarushi Maru, Kobayashi. Kobayashi, Kobayashi Maru. Kobayashi Maru'd it by saying uh, the Nazi propaganda film that rose Hitler to power. So they were, he was like, he's like, no, go ahead. Tell me why Charlie and the Chocolate Factory shouldn't make. We all love Hitler, right? And it immediately ended all the arguments. So it wasn't exactly a fair fight, but Kevin Smith's reasoning for it was he doesn't think any movie should be erased. Like every movie is someone's story in some way, shape, or form relating to something in their life that they want to tell. So don't get rid of anything. So he picked this Hitler movie and he cheated. That's kind of like what I... actually That was actually almost my argument. Not not Hitler, that didn't even occur to me, but... Um, <laughs> it's called like a wonderful something or other. I remember, but yeah. um, but no, like that's the whole thing is like I do... Because the thing is like, it's like I kind of do feel that where I'm just like even things that I would like to like have basically like removed from a director's like career Mm -hmm. like those those like missteps they still informed who they are even if it's like i mean like kind of i was actually kind of arguing in my own head between like john carpenter's memoirs invisible man or john carpenter's the ward which is his last movie and probably will be his last movie um because it was so fucking terrible um but Memoirs of an Invisible Man was his first major misstep. So it's like, but the thing is, if you really get rid of either of those, it's kind of like hard to like, to kind of chart his career. So that's what I'm saying. Like, like I, what I wouldn't kinda, have changed if he had gotten rid of those? That's what I'm saying. Like, it'd be like, he like, if you get rid of Memoirs, then yeah, like he had an almost flawless career until the ward. Because um, if he had left off on Ghost of Mars, I would have been okay with it. Like, I don't like Ghost of Mars, mm-hmm. but, like, I'm okay with that being his last film. At least he's mediocre. Like, I can live with mediocre. Mm-hmm. Like, the ward sucks. Like, the ward is just awesome. Um, and it made me, like, it actually kind of hurt me because I'm just like, oh, no, I didn't know John Carpenter could do something this fucking bad. <laughs> um, and, like, Memoirs of Invisible Man, actually, I think was probably the first Carpenter movie I ever saw because it came out when I was a kid. And I remember, um, like, there was, like, one time... Like, I used to, like, I visited my cousins. I have a lot of fucking cousins. Um, and there's one time I was my cousin Miranda, my cousin Adam, and, like, uh, we rented, like, a bunch of movies in the video store, like, literally every day I was there. And, like, this is probably informed the time period. Like, the stuff we rented was, like, uh, Memoirs of Invisible Man. I think it actually might have been his parents renting, but I still watched them. Uh, we uh, rented, uh, I can't remember the fucking name of it. I think it was Medicine Man with Sean Connery, um, which, again, I think might have been his parents. Um, white men can't jump. That would definitely us. Nice. Um, but yeah, like it was like in the movies that in retrospect are all kind of trash, but I still have like a special place in my heart for them because like I saw them at that time in that place. Mm-hmm. 
So like that's like if you take that out, then that's and I, again, it's probably the first Carpenter I saw. At least the first Carpenter I remember seeing. Like I don't remember if I saw anything before that. So then, um, if, so then, if you don't want to influence like his work, like so, you get rid of let's say memoirs of whatever, and all of a sudden he doesn't make such and such. Pick a movie that's like a singular, like a one-off that wouldn't really. If so, for example, Super Mario Bros. You just you could just get rid of that movie and no no better no worse. It would just be life. Yeah, but at the same time though, like I. Okay, I have not. I will, I will preface this by saying I have not rewatched the film. Okay. But when that movie came out as a child, I really liked it. So like, I still have fond memories of yeah, it. It's the same by thing your as, like, my standard, brother. Stick with it. Don't ever. Yeah, like, <laughs> that's like my brother. That's like my brother. Like when I was because like, I really you know most people at this point know. Like I think I think people think that like I'm trying to be like a hipster, but I'm really not. I just really like these characters. But like I love Aquaman and I love Howard the Duck a lot. Yeah, you do. And like. Um, like I had the Howard the Duck omnibus, um, but uh, but I think it's like only I watched Patrick ever. <laughs> but I watched uh, well James Gunn fucking loves Howard the Duck as well. Like he even said like that like the Steve Gerber run is one of the best runs in the history of comics. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's not wrong. Um, but that's the whole thing is like I saw Howard the Duck when I was like five years old, and it was like fucking amazing. Like it was, ba- I mean, but obviously the target audience. And, like, my brother watched it as an adult, and he's just like, do not watch it again. Like, just don't <laughs> do it yourself. Stay away. Because we both away. loved it. Do you uh, own it? now he can't. No, I think he, he, he did buy it. Like, he bought, like, the $5 or whatever, and he, like, watched it. He's just like, he hated it. And he's just like, I'm really glad that I didn't watch that again. Like, I'm glad that you didn't watch it again. He's just like, it would ruin it for you. Mm. And that's the thing. Is like, there, and, like, that was, and he's like, he also mentioned, like, the Garbage Girl Kids movie, which I always wanted to see as a child. My parents wouldn't let me because they were yeah. assholes. Um, but I think, and that's why I haven't watched it as an adult because I've heard how fucking awful it is, and I wouldn't be able to be like have the, the, the forgiveness as a child of watching. Just like um, the movie kind of everybody makes fun of. It's it's kind of a punchline. I think it was mostly a punchline because of Paul Rudd um, on his uh, appearances on Conan, uh, Mac and Me, um, which basically the, oh the, my god, the little alien off. thing, yeah. yeah. Um, but I saw that when I was a child, so like I have fond memories of it. Like I don't watch it again. <laughs> like, yeah. um. So that's the thing. I really, I feel like if you erase anything, like it just, it's like, it, I don't know. You, you just, I mean, like I would, I would go with Smith's argument. Like, don't erase so anything. So you also but get rid of the Nazi of. film. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um. Because okay. yeah, cause like anything else, I'm just like, even things I don't like, I'm like, I'm somewhat glad they're there. Just because, like, at least now it's like, because Yoga Hoser is there, I know not to have hope for future Kevin Smith films. Like, that's I'll true. watch them. But I like Tusk gave me hope because I actually really like Tusk. I Tusk was, just, was like, great, yeah. And who knows? Anything, maybe Moose Jaws is cool. I say I don't think so now. But um, that's the whole thing. Is that like um, after because like basically like Cop Out was the first time. Like it literally was like I've talked about this before. I mean I think the only person I can speak to is my friend Kristen because she was with me. But I feel like my face at the end of Tusk was like if you ever watch Firefly, um, the beginning of Firefly basically has Malcolm Reynolds and um, his, like, his unit. Um, basically, it's, like, kind of the last fight, like, the last battle of the war that they're in, like, with the brown coats versus, like, the, the alliance. And there's one moment where, like, because um, basically he's, like, he's fighting super hard, trying to, like, take every, like, he's, he's, like, he's holding the line. Mm-hmm. And then he just sees, like, basically right after one of his men dies, and he sees these huge alliance ships coming down. And it's a moment where you can see his soul die. Like it's perfect. It's a perfor- it's the performance by Dick Villian is perfect because he doesn't do anything. Mm-hmm. It is all in his eyes where you can watch a man's soul die. Mm-hmm. And I feel like watching Cop Out. I feel like that's probably what my eyes did. 
Because it was like literally like I had looked up to Kevin Smith so much, like yeah. minds. I almost crying talking about this because what like, was this movie I, right before Cop Out too? Because uh, uh, Cop Out was his first studio movie. Um, Jersey Girl. Even Jersey Girl, I fucking liked. Yeah, oh, no, you Jersey, like Jersey Girl. Girl. No, I'm sorry. Clerk Two was right before Cop Out. Okay, okay. So Jersey still, Girl, a, still a good note. Not the greatest, yeah. but a good note. I fucking love Clerks 2. Like, yeah. I still think people are unfair to Clerks 2. Um, and I, I like Jersey Girl. People fucking shit on Jersey Girl. I like Jersey Girl. Like, it's like, for the kind of movie it is, it's a good movie. Like, I don't fucking care what you say. Like, if you had made that movie in the 90s, and it was, like, part of, like, the epic sprawl of fucking movies that were coming out at that point, nobody would have a problem with it. Mm. But because it was made by such a fucking, at that point, like, really good filmmaker... Everybody just fucking came out with their fucking claws out. I'm like, fuck yeah. you. Like, I remember, I remember hearing like there was like Kevin Smith, like where there's somebody like one of the reviews that he had commented on. Where he was like, it's the kind of movie Kevin Smith would have made fun of when he made Clerks, and he was like, not if it's good. He's just like, and he's like, it's like the movies he like he rented from the video store, and it's just like, that's the thing. It's like people have this fucking thing in their head where it's like, I'm like, it, it's not one of his stronger works, but I like it. I like it a lot. Like, it's like, I've put it on of my own volition more than once. Like, it never, like, whatever. Whereas, like, because uh, I think, like, when I first saw, because Mulrock's, like, my first taste. Like, I saw, I've told the story where I saw it on Canadian TV, and I went, as soon as somebody would bring me. Because, basically, like, in Saturday Night Lake, people, like, bitch about, like, this being a small town, like, Glens Falls and everything. It's like, dude, you don't even fucking know, dude. I had to fucking have somebody bring me, because I was, like, probably, like, 13 years old to the mall, which was a fucking hour away, to, uh, I bought, on that day, Clerks, Mallrats, and Chasing Amy. And all of them I watched over and over and over and over and over and over. Like, it was like, they were like, my favorite shit ever. And like, I think it's funny, like, I remember my first girlfriend, um, when, when she saw Mallrats, well, I didn't even show it to her, she just saw it of her own um, free will. But she was like, that Brody guy sounds exactly like you. And I'm just like, that's literally I, I don't know that that's a chicken in the egg I'm like I don't know if I'm like that because I was so influenced by it or if I'm so influenced by it because I was already so close it just kind of gave me the extra push mm-hmm. but like um it's okay to be an asshole yay but, <laughs> but that's the thing it's like it's so ingrained in me like the Kevin Smith like it's so like even more so in Quentin and Robert like those are like those are my guys but like and then like Dave Fincher was kind of like my auteur but like um but like Smith was like me and like he would make movies that I would make like I loved his fucking work and then he made Cop Out and it literally it hurt me like it was just like it literally like it hurt me really badly because mm-hmm. it was just like it felt like a betrayal it was just like and literally it, it, it took me like a little while and then I realized it was kind of like the whole situation of like I've charted directors careers this is the downturn I'm living the downturn and it just a really depressing thought but like that genuinely, like it just it bothered me, and like and then it was, but the thing is like, for like, and then he made uh, Red State, which was better, and it was okay. And I'm like, okay, so maybe that was Jeff just like whatever. Loves Red State, he absolutely loves that movie, so I want to watch it. I like Red State, I think it's good. And then uh, Tusk, which I don't necessarily think is a great film, but I think is a really unique film, which is a movie that, or which is a claim that most filmmakers can't make anymore. Like. Mm-hmm. He made a movie that doesn't feel or look like any other movie. Like, it, it's completely its own thing, and it's really enjoyable. Like, I really liked it. Mm. So I was like, okay, so Kevin Smith, he realized, cop out, and now he's on an upturn. And then he made Yoga Hosers, <laughs> which was even worse. I'm just like, okay, so he's not. So I'm, we're done now. All right. Moose Jaws. <laughs> like, Moose Jaws. 
Uh, I'm going to see it. I'll keep seeing them, but like yeah. I don't have hope anymore. <laughs> My biggest... Uh, well, actually, before Moose Jaws, he made, he's making a movie called... Um, shit, what's it called? Oh, I don't remember, but he's making a movie with like this uh, film school out in Sarasota Springs and uh, in like Arizona or some shit like that. Or Sarasota's in Florida. Sarasota's in Florida. Or Florida. And uh, he's going back in the fil- in the winter to finish filming it. And um, so that's before Moose Jaws. But if I had to remove, because that was what the whole question was, if I had to remove one movie from existence, it's The Wicker Man with Nick Cage. Okay, whoa, whoa, whoa. I will say, though, uh, the Wicker Man remake, I have never seen. I actively avoided it because um, it actually hurt my brother. Because <laughs> my brother had kind of a similar thing. Where, like, he really loves the filmmaker Neil LeBute, the guy who made that movie. But he yeah. made some really, really great independent films. Um, and my brother, I don't know if it's still true, but, like, his two favorite movies were, I'm not sure if they still are, but they were uh, George Romero is Dawn of the Dead and uh, The Wicker Man, the original Wicker Man. Yeah. And so, like, he's, like, when the Wicker Man remake was coming out, it was, like, holy fuck, like, my favorite filmmaker doing my favorite movie like this can't not be amazing and then he saw it and he won't talk about it and it wasn't amazing (laughs) no yeah (laughs) two things it completely destroys the first movie in every way shape or form i cannot see i have not seen it so i have no argument and b it doesn't necessarily destroy him but it is the one spot everyone points out about why nick cage is such a bad actor and i love nick cage and don't think he's a bad actor at all no, no, no. Nick Cage is not a bad actor. No, no, he's not at all. He's great. He's just a guy who he needs fucking money, so he will literally do anything. And yeah. I mean, that so, part of that is giving directors what they want. And if it's a low grade filmmaker, which great to know you isn't, but but so let me explain. As we all know, my favorite action movie of all time is Con Air. There's no getting around it. So we're watching it in the break room at work. And there's three other guys there who will not stop disrespecting Nick Cage. And all they have to say for it is Ghost Rider and The Wicker Man. And I'm like, yes, okay, I get it. He's outlandish. He's overdramatic. Like, that's what they asked him to do. He'll do anything for a movie. Have you seen his good movies? Okay, then fuck your face, because they're great. So, Wicker Man is the one that they kept out, like, with the bees and the weird bear suit punching the lady out and all that bullshit. They keep bringing that up. You get rid of Wicker Man, you at least help Nick Cage's case a little bit, because he is a above-average actor who deserves more. He's like Nickelback. It's easy to hate, but they've—he's done good work. Okay, but Nickelback hasn't done good work. Yes, so their first good... their first two albums were legitimate like rock I, albums, and they were all no, right. No, I legitimately never liked Nickelback. Like they—they they actually were on. They when I was a kid, I really loved Roadrunner Records because it was like the record like a lot of metal bands that I thought were really cool were on, like yeah. uh, Fear Factory and like Slipknot and all that shit. And I never liked Nickelback. Like not well, even for one fucking second. Just <laughs> because you don't like them doesn't mean they haven't done something decent. This is no, a whole no, no. It's, Mark it's Wahlberg really thing again. They're really. No, because Nickelback is really legitimately not good. So, but okay. my point being, Nick Cage is better than the Wicker Man shows. Get that movie on out of here. Help the original. Help Nick Cage. And just help don't Help Neil exist. Butte. <laughs> yes, help Neil Butte. Just get it gone. So, that's mine. All right. We're at an hour. We've still got two games and our comic wrap-up to do. Let's finish this with the very last, because I think we're going to completely agree on this last question. Who is, wait, I want to say, the best action hero of all time? There's only one answer. 
best like wait, wait, wait like, like, like as far as actors go or that, like as sorry far sorry as sorry yes go? actor not he, character that character is way more debatable but actors is in fairness that one's kind of difficult because my gut says schwarzenegger and my head says harrison ford <laughs> oh they didn't even bring up harrison ford but that's a decent one but they said like sylvester stallone and bruce willis were the other two up against arnold schwarzenegger yeah. uh arnold has done so rambo almost untouchable john mcclain no almost no, untouchable. no no first blood is untouchable yeah like... yes okay but i'm talking just like the character in general like when you're being okay. a real badass what does everyone say oh fucking rambo over here like it's just such a cliche and he's amazing and john mcclain is the average guy who can't die cool you got them but then you've got terminator you've got predator you've got commando he's you've not got predator. True lies. <laughs> or, well no but the movie you've got yeah, true okay. lies you've got i can't remember the name of it right now please help me where he's on mars Oh, Total Recall. <laughs> Total Recall. You've got Conan the Barbarian. You've got... Uh, don't judge. I like the, the last action hero. I like that. I movie. actually... No, yeah. no. I actually love last action hero. So... People didn't get that movie enough credit. If you look at it as what it is, which is like fucking... It's hilarious. It was like they were making a parody of action films, mm-hmm. but they were also making an action film. So watching it is like one of the most interesting fucking things you've ever seen in your life. Because Shane Black wrote it too, which is the yeah. best fucking part. Yeah. Shane Black is the guy who created the overinflated action film essentially because he did lead the weapon which was very grounded and very real and then like they just kept giving him money to basically just do more and more ridiculous things like the long kiss goodnight was like the last thing he did but he's like the last boy scout and he just kept doing these bigger and bigger fucking things so he kind of helped create this over the top larger than life fucking thing and so then they had this movie that was a parody of the last action hero that Zach Penn wrote, and they didn't like his script, so they had Shane Black rewrite it. They just kicked him right <laughs> out. Like, you literally had the guy who basically, and I don't agree with this, but basically, like, if you're going to make this argument, he basically poisoned the well. <laughs> you're going to have him be the guy who serves you the water. <laughs> like, it's so, like, what the fuck is that movie? And I love it. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. I think it's amazing. But that's another guy who out. could be brought up is Mel Gibson. He, he's got, you know, Mad Max and Lethal Weapon and stuff. But the point is, aside from Sylvester Stallone, the point is, there's all these phenomenal action people, Nick Cage and Con Air, but none of them are literal, like, as far as movies go, walking superheroes like Arnold Schwarzenegger was. Oh, yeah. He, he was Superman. He was Superman in the movies. I think it's like, I think it's funny. Like, I remember my dad one time, because he's a fuckhead, um, I had mentioned um, Brian K. Vaughn wrote this book called Ex Machina, which is basically oh, about... Such a good movie. I want to read the book. It's not, it's a completely different thing. Oh, but the movie's so good. No, yeah. The book is about, the comic is about, um, this guy who was, uh, a superhero, like, basically kind of like the Rocketeer, um, in New York, who ends up, um, giving up his superhero identity, becoming mayor of New York. And, um, the Wachowski brothers, uh, or one of them, I don't know if it was, was, well, I guess now they're the Wachowskis, because they're, uh, not Larry and Andy, they're Lana and Lily. Um, they're transgender. Um, but um, they wrote the introduction for whatever to the first trade, and they were like, he, it's not implausible because California just elected a guy who just played a superhero, let alone like a guy who was a superhero. So of course that would make sense. And my dad was just like, when he was uh Schwarzenegger superhero and I'm just like at the time because I was it was like when it first came out I'm just like just fuck you dad like if you if you don't know what I mean I don't know what that means now I'm like 
Honestly, every fucking character he played, the commando, he introduced with a giant fucking tree on his Just fucking shoulder. Just carrying it through. Or the time when he has that monster, monster machine gun that no man could actually lift What's up I'm and saying? he's just mowing like, down. Well, I'm saying, like, the Terminator films is a legit superhero. Like, I mean, like, that thing is, like, he, he was a guy. Like, that thing is, like, Schwarzenegger was my hero as a child. And it was, like, I, I didn't get to, like, years later. Like, everybody thought about how terrible of an actor he was. I'm just like, what are you talking about? Like, and I loved his fucking work. And then I watch it as an adult, I'm like, oh. Like, he has the same, like, accent, whether he is a robot from the future, a Russian cop working with a, like, Or the twin of Danny DeVito. (laughs) Well, that's whatever. Like, that's, (laughs) they kind of explain explain that with the whole island thing, which I guess they don't explain it super well, but whatever, it's fine. They tried. Yeah. Um, But, like, literally, he, like, like, but the thing is, his charisma was such that, like, you could not, I don't honestly think anyone really didn't like Arnold Schwarzenegger. Even the people who made fun of Arnold Schwarzenegger, I'm still pretty sure on some level everybody liked Arnold Schwarzenegger, which is why he elected, was elected governor, even though he had no political background whatsoever. <laughs> because he's Arnold fucking Schwarzenegger. Everyone yeah. loves Schwarzenegger. Like, he's, he is, like, he's a he's a goddamn hero. Like, yeah. so it's, like, that's the thing. is like, I do really love, like, it's, like, I, and I, I have nothing bad to say about his action output. I mean, like, I wish he had kind of just stopped when he uh had the heart attack because i mean i do like end of days but like he would have left behind a better body of work um he keeps doing things i'm just like please stop although the first uh, expendables is a good movie but that's oh, no, that's I, got a lot of stuff to it oh yeah no i actually i do well no the, the first expendables like if you didn't he's in one scene and it's a very important scene it's basically yeah. the three titans of action all meeting for the first time on camera Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah. So like, it's important, but it's like he he not have like a real part until two and three. True. And like honestly, I don't love two, although I do like two, and I do really like three. Um. Although the thing with the Expendables though is like the Expendables came off of uh, Stallone, who like became a joke. And let's be honest, like, but the thing is because he stopped caring. That was the whole thing. Yeah. Was basically like he was a dude who used to write, at least write everything he did, if not direct it as well. Mm-hmm. And, like, he might not have been the strongest at writing, directing, or acting, but, like, he was pretty good. Like, he, he like, and then at a certain point, he just stopped giving a shit, and that's why, like, his, the quality of work was going downhill and downhill and downhill until he became a fucking punchline. And then he did Rocky Balboa, which was fucking amazing. Like, nobody, I think, really has a negative opinion of Rocky Balboa. And then he did, uh, I'm just gonna call it John Rambo, because I like the extended cut better, which is called John Rambo. Um... Which was also really fucking good. I'm like, holy fuck! Like Stallone is starting to like be Stallone again. Like he's starting to like write and direct his shit that he's acting in, and it's, it's you're getting a better product. Uh-huh. And then so like when I, when he went to the Expendables, I was like, oh great, we're back to this. Uh, I was just like, and I mean, I do really like on, on like subsequent viewings. I liked it because I'm just I just kind of enjoyed it for what it was. Like basically, it's like based on the movies that he made when he stopped caring, mm-hmm. but like with it with a tongue in his cheek. So it's like yeah, yeah. Point, it's sort of like I'm, Last yeah. Action Hero. It's kind of in light of itself. It's yeah. Now I can now I like it more, but it was like I my, my expectations were an issue when I first watched it. Now I enjoy it because it's just like it's meant to be just fucking yeah. just ridiculous. Like that's the whole fucking point. Like it's, it's it's why they got everyone the, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. How many muscles can we put on the screen? Well, yeah. the same amount as any other movie. No, I'm talking big muscles. Oh, okay. Terry Crews, come on That's over. That's why it still bothers me when, like, I, I don't dislike Terry Crews, but, like, Terry Crews didn't belong in that just by virtue of the fact that, like, he didn't do, like, he was good in the movie, but, like, 
if you're he's doing not movies, an action man exactly like you do yeah. he's not like he's at that point he been like in like three or four movies anyway and they were all like comedies um and also randy couture i was like he was wrong i was like i thought the guy who should have been in terry cruz's part and i still say this to this day is the rock oh, um yeah. dwayne johnson oh yeah um and randy couture um i can't think of any mma guys that like acted Freaking, um, what's his name uh, uh chuck liddell acts well okay <laughs> like, okay <laughs> that's fine but i mean yeah i definitely wouldn't put chuck liddell i mean i guess chuck liddell's comparable but i mean like i don't know brock like, lesnar that's a wrestler yeah but, that'd be fine you know, actually I, I, I could live with brock lesnar even though he wasn't like an action hero like i could live with that although actually like the fun thing that's funny is they put scott adkins like one of the villains in it but scott adkins was like one of the guys who because like the thing is now if you want like really good like straight action movies um there's been a lot of articles written about it like it's been like the last 10 years you go to straight to video which is funny because like for a long time straight to video was like just shit, shit. You, yeah you, it was like yeah make it just to see what happens and then like in like the last several years like scott agon is a big part of it um like you would have with these like really good filmmakers who would make really good straight to video action films so like honestly now it's kind of become a point where like actually the guy who actually know like you know you know who the guy i would replace i put the rock in uh terry cruz's part and then put um michael jai white the guy who played spawn but he was also in like a million oh, video yeah yeah movies. yeah i like him i would put him in randy couture's part and then like that would be the perfect cast to me like um because like i really like will smith uh, will smith is an action guy yeah, Will Smith ain't ever going to do that. <laughs> like, I'm just saying. <laughs> I really want to like, watch Light, the new Netflix thing. No, no, totally. I mean, it's it's Max Landis and fucking Will Smith and fucking, yeah, no, um, David Ayer. Um, but, like, I feel like the only reason Suicide Squad happened was because, like, Will Smith had kind of, like, I, don't, I think for a long time he wouldn't do anything where he wasn't the star. Yeah. I feel like it just kind of came to a point of, like, not that his career's in a downturn because it's not, he's not at the level where he was. He's just, like, like okay i'll be not the okay, the whole thing is actually that he was quentin's first choice for uh django mm-hmm. and um he brought it to him and will smith was just like he's like no no, no i have to be the lead of this and like quentin's like what <laughs> just like <laughs> it's like he's like this guy like the the christoph waltz character he's like that's the lead like i need to be the lead like i need the guy who like, i need to be the one who like kills the bad guy and he's just like i don't think it's gonna work <laughs> and then like so he walked away and like even but even Will Smith was just like I'm not the right guy for that he's like, he's like I still stand by what I said and I was like yes you were not the right guy and I don't like Jimmy Fox but yes he was definitely stronger because he apparently was like smart to be like sit down and shut the fuck up and do what Quentin Tarantino tells you yeah um but yeah so like I mean Will Smith I don't know I definitely don't think he would have done it when they did the first Expendables like he might have done it like they did like Expendables 4 and then he didn't do a Suicide Squad, he might have been willing at that point, but, True. like... Suicide Squad brought him to a different, uh, appeal. Yeah. And it was great. Like, Alright, so, let that was it. That's the end of that. Arnold is okay. is the correct answer. So, let's bang through who would win a fight real fast. Just, just... I guess we can't really, there's always debate to be had. Michael Jackson versus Prince. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> oh, we're doing in this reverse order, I just realized. We usually do who's who's first, but that's fine. Michael Jackson versus Prince. I guess I buy that Prince is more of a scrapper, but, like, not a lot more. Like, have you ever seen Purple Michael Rage? Jackson's got the reach, though. He's, like, I don't he's care. like six inches taller. 
Yeah, but like Michael Jackson's like the, the pussy of pussies. Like, yeah, but what if he does that spin kick over and over, like in Mortal Kombat, and you can't get within his reach? He just keeps going, he kick, he kick, and he just keeps doing it. No, yeah, no, and also like, yeah, no, I, I think I, I don't think I feel like that would not be much of a fight in period. I think mostly like a slap fight, but like it just mostly be uh, an ego fight. But um, but I definitely think Prince is like slightly more like. Has much more of an edge than Michael Jackson. He's got the he's got that sort of like dark mysterious to it that you think is sexy, but in reality, it's just hardcore. He's just ready to stab a bitch. Yes. <laughs> all right. Who would win in a fight? Beavis versus Butthead. They fight all the time. <laughs> I mean, I guess technically, always, um, like Beavis always loses. He always ends up I... in the worst scenario. Yeah. Exactly. But. Um... He's never compl- like so hurt that he can't get back up. So maybe he just exactly. plays the fatigue. Oh, game. he does. That's what yeah. I was gonna say. I was just like, I think he honestly is the better. Uh, I think he would actually honestly. I think he's the stronger of the two. But I think just Butthead is a stronger personality. Um. But uh, uh, I mean, yeah, I would if if I was doing it, I would finally have the day where Beavis finally wins. Like, if I was writing the story. <laughs> that's your, that's your, he got the upper hand finally. He gets thrown into all sorts of shenanigans and walks out like barely alive and then Be- Butthead is just going, uh, 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 and then he takes him out. Pretty much, yeah. I'm sold. I'm sold on that. Alright, last one. Who would win in a fight? Skeeter from Doug versus Helga Pataki from Hey Arnold. <laughs> uh, Helga. I would say Helga. She's awesome. You can't beat Helga. <laughs> Plus, she's got love in her heart, and nothing triumphs love, so she'll do whatever it takes. <laughs> yes, yeah, sure. That's just a fact, okay? I've seen it in movies. Okay. All right. Yeah, I, I had that, that beaten out of me as a child. You luckily got married when you were, like, 22, <laughs> so, like... Love conquers all. Uh, yeah, that, that got beaten out of me as an adult, so... <laughs> uh, who's who? Coke and Pepsi, the two biggest soda brands. Uh, I like to think that I'm... Uh, Pepsi, because I like Pepsi more than Coke. I, um, I have one question. Who makes Dr. Pepper? Uh, I want to say Pepsi, because I feel like most places where I go that have Dr. Pepper, it's also the best product. Son of a bitch, I wanted Dr. Pepper. Okay. I don't know, honestly, though. But I don't fair. want Mountain Dew, and you drink a lot of Mountain Dew, so you're Pepsi by default, plus Coke is the better cola, so win-win. I don't agree with you, but that's fine. Well, that just makes it perfect for us picking which we are. That just makes it easier. Who would win in... No, wait. We're who's whoing it. Who's a who's is apples and oranges. You can't compare apples to oranges. Well, you can in this scenario. Who are you and who am I? Um, again, I think oranges are better, so I like. I feel like I would be oranges. You're so wrong. Uh, apples reign supreme. <laughs> that was too easy. Plus... I don't agree with you, but okay. Uh, nothing is better than a good Honeycrisp apple. Nothing. I mean, I really don't like. I mean, I don't dislike apples, but like, I don't really have any like feeling oh, about them either way. Apple pie? What does orange got? You ever try making an orange pie? It doesn't work. It's just orange juice inside a crust. It gets all soggy. No one wants to touch it. I mean, I don't understand your <laughs> diseased mind. So just, you just you just upset me. All right, and last <laughs> but not least, one of these really broad spectrum ones. If each of us was a breed of dog, what kind of dog would we be? Uh, I know what kind of dog I am. I want to say I'm a Rottweiler. 
That's a good choice. I really Rottweiler is one of my favorite breeds of dogs, also, which just gives you the upper hand by picking something I love. Because <laughs> I because I've known two Rottweilers that were slightly overweight that were just the biggest love bugs I've ever seen in my entire life, and they were amazing. Um, but Rottweilers are um only mm, mm. so me. I'm a gold. I'm I'm a golden retriever. I just it's just what I am. <laughs> yeah, I'm just fair. you know I'm just the everybody's dog. I'm, you know, I'm adorable. I'm loving. I'm not very aggressive unless really, really pushed, which it takes a lot. It really and, does. And I have flowing, usually flowing locks, even though I cut them off. But, um, you, I would probably lean more to. You know what? I would make you my favorite dog ever, a basset hound. Why am I a basset hound? Fuck you. <laughs> because they are fun when you get them interested, but otherwise they mostly just like to lay on the couch and watch TV. And they've got that low raspy like bark that seems like, oh shit. But in reality, it's just the way they bark. So you've got that like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh, wait, I know this guy. We're good. We're good. Fuck you. I choose Rottweiler. I'm sticking with Rottweiler, you asshole. <laughs> well, you're wrong. There's that raspy bark coming at me. It's just a Go raspy bark. Yourself. But underneath it's a bunch of sweetness. All right. <clears throat> and last but not least, so we finished up Who's Who. Finished up Who would win a fight. I read the tape. I promised I would. That's how we do it. Preparation for Comic-Con. I'm reading a lot of yeah. comics now. That was fucking amazing. It, I know. I was super. So I I had the same reaction that everyone who I've said, "Hey, I read this Hawkeye story," has had. Really, Hawkeye? Come on, really? Like I could be Which reading. It's funny because I always like he was always one of my favorite. Well, uh, he after, actually, when I was a kid, he was my favorite Avenger. After reading this, I want to read more Hawkeye. He's he's so this specific story lays him out more like selfless, like of of when it comes to what is a hero. So so whole premise. There's this tape that gets out that shows Hawkeye murdering a dictator, and the and the people steal it, and they're gonna sell it at the black market, and obviously that's really valuable because it's an Avenger murdering someone. The Avengers don't do that. You can blackmail them or show the world and take down the Avengers. So they're like, "Hey, Hawkeye, your tape got stolen. Go get it back, you little bitch." And Hawkeye's like, "Uh, okay, I'm on it." But he doesn't plan it out really well at all. He just kind of like packs up and goes to get it. Like, there's no no thought process at all like he even he gets jumped and put a bag over his head and he like just doesn't do anything about it he's like oh okay you got me and then he's tied up and he's just like well what am i gonna do here i guess i'll just wait at this out it looks like i'm screwed like it he seems so like such a buffoon but then it dude cross crisscross turns out well who's the other girl that shows up what do you mean kate the other hawkeye or... No, no, the one who's hiding as the Miss whatever with the metal face. Oh, Madam Mask. Madam Mask. Who's the one that's like disguised as her? That I didn't get because I don't know the characters. Uh, I do. I haven't read that in a really long time. So, <laughs> so one of his like colleagues is disguised as Madam Mask. She's the one who kidnaps him just so that she can steal the Avengers black card, buy the tape, and then guess what? Yay, Hawkeye and her have the tape. But then they get found out and they get like shot at and they're running and they escape. Like, from and... where... The, when I remember, like the three main female characters are Kate, yep. um, Bobby, and uh, Black Widow. Okay, okay, boom, there you go. Boom, boom. Okay, so they get out, 
and they escape and Kate's outside and she's like, whoa, what are you doing here? Because she followed Hawkeye because he was acting all weird. And then she's the other Hawkeye. And then they go back to the Avengers Tower and they explain what the fuck just happened. So that whole time you kind of are like buying into the story of what's going on. Like this buffoon that is Hawkeye not planning anything through and getting kidnapped incredibly easily. Uh, and then all of a sudden female Hawkeye follows him and that was coincidental pretty much. But then it turns out it's her and you're like, okay, I'm getting this. They're getting shot at. They're pretty good fighters. Okay, okay. And then at the end it turns out that the whole reason this tape was there was because there was a mole in the in the organization. They wanted to find out who. So the real Navy SEALs who killed this dictator, if it had gotten out who they were, they obviously would have been murdered by bad guys. So they made three other tapes of three other Avengers who were willing to risk their lives because if the tape got out, they could get killed. And Hawkeye, of all people, you would not think he'd be the one that like, yeah, I'll take on everybody. Yeah, fuck it, I'm Hawkeye. Sure, why not? No, you'd be like, okay, Hulk, obvious choice. Thor, sure, why not? And then Captain America, the pinnacle of fucking hero-ness. Which I don't (laughs) remember who the other two were who they said they made tapes of. Uh, but anyways, it was just an elaborate elaborate ploy to catch the mole. Yeah. And it was, it was, it was so, I, it made me like, so like I said, at first you're following the story and you're just like, wow, Hawkeye's a real bitch. He doesn't know anything. He's not figured this out. And then at the very end, it's a full 180 where you're like, oh shit. Like he literally could have died at any point And he's put himself on the line purely to catch some mole. Not for anything else, just to make sure that secrets don't get out. Like he put everything he had for the sake of the avengers and i wouldn't have thought that hawkeye would be the kind of guy to do that well age of ultron age of ultron the movie made him more like it endeared him a lot more like with his family and what he's willing to do and all that but still but still he's just a bitch with a bow that's not true (laughs) no we found out that's not true that's the whole point of what i'm saying it's not true at all indeed (laughs) i if uh, did they make a trade of that one yeah well that's the thing is like it's most of until the very end. Uh, most of the um, Matt Fraction Hawkeye books, they were, it was mostly just done in ones, which is why I had, to, I had to kind of struggle to give you an arc. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like it's it's in I think the first trade. Yeah, it's the first trade because the first six issues are the first trade, and that's I think issue three and four. So yeah, um, I recommend that entire series. Like that entire series is Matt Fraction's amazing. Hawkeye. What's yeah. it? What's it mostly? Um... Is, is it similar to like the tape? Is it just kind of, is it yes. just him or is there a lot of other superheroes coming in? No, it's what it is. It basically, it's, I think the, um, the thing that was at the, at the start of every book, like Marvel always has that, like, um, that start page where like, they kind of give you, catch you up. Yeah. Um, it's like, uh, Hawkeye's an Avenger. This is what he does when he's not an Avenger. Um, oh. so yeah. So like this whole thing is like, um, the only like really main characters in it are, uh, Clint, uh, Kate, Bobby, um, Natasha, and like his neighbors in the building. Okay, I'm sold. I'm sold <laughs> on that whole run. But that's indeed not... it's it's fantastic. I'll probably that'll probably be one of, that'll probably go up on the list of things to buy at Comic Con. It it's really fucking good. It it's just because so this I get into the argument all the time at work about what you know about how fucking Iron Man isn't the only superhero out there. And everyone's just like, oh, well, what can they do? Can they do this? Because I always say Daredevil's my favorite superhero. It's, he's number one for me. Flash, number two. Spider-Man, number three. Wolverine, number four. And probably Batman or Vision, number five. But that's neither here nor there. Uh, and and of of those guys, like they always judge Batman, and they always judge Daredevil as being super lame. 
even and I don't even understand how they can defend Spider-Man because Spider-Man's not even that great over top of people like them as far as like in the grand scheme of super strength and laser vision and all this stuff. All he's got is reflexes and he's he's more buff than you would expect. That's like it. He makes his I own. Mean, he's intelligent. I'm not. I'm just saying in the grand like scope of like compared vision to Spider-Man, they don't compete. I mean, it, I I can't. It's, it's it, that that argument would take a really long time. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. It's a bitch's argument, and I don't like it. So when they start ragging on Daredevil, like, oh yeah, blind guy who punches people. Wow, that's really impressive. I'm like, no, you don't get it. And that's coming around to me for Hawkeye. I'm like, no, I didn't get it, and I gotta read it to get it. And now I'm gonna start. <laughs> now I'm gonna buy it. I'll buy it at Comic Con. It'll go right okay. on the list. Which. Before I start reading it, actually, that'll be on the next episode, but give me what I'm getting myself into. I bought the first trade of Umbrella Academy by Gerard Way, because you like it. Mm-hmm. And yeah. what is that about before? I, that, I'll, have, I'll have read that by the next episode. What am I get, What is this? What am I doing here? I don't really know how to explain that. Like, um, Basically, it's kind of like if you mashed up the X-Men and Doom Patrol. Um, so there's superpowers at play. Yeah. Okay. It's it's yeah. It's like it's kind of like it's it's kind of like a darker, uh, like more. It's almost like if Mike Mignola did the X Men. I don't know who Mike Mignola is. The guy who created Hellboy. Oh, I'm in. I love Hellboy, <laughs> and that'll be Indeed. one of the ones I wait. I'm awaiting for you to recommend to me because I have to read Hellboy too. <laughs> I want to buy Hellboy. Maybe Hellboy will go on the list. I got you got Yeah, but you got to help me narrow the list cuz I'm just going to start naming people and I'll just buy their stuff and that's not appropriate, okay? <laughs> so, I'm going to need your help there. But I I'll read Umbrella Academy next. You don't need to recommend that. I bought that specifically on your past love for the comic. So, I'm ready. What they're finally doing the third volume of. <laughs> Was volume 2 good? Wait. Yeah. So, so this is it's been all like 10 of 10 fucking years though. Oh, I'm sure. This is all of volume 1 that I bought then, right? Or is yeah. this trade yeah. 1 of volume 1? No, no, it's every every arc has been a trade so far. Okay. Did, like the first one, then the second one, and then they're finally doing Hotel Apocalypse, which is the third. They promised it like 10 years ago, and then it just hasn't happened. When when is that coming out? Uh, I guess we'll see. I mean, I hopefully soon. <laughs> All right. Well, I mean, maybe we'll hear about it at Comic Con. What's thing? They they like they actually had to delay uh, and cancel the solicits for Doom Patrol because of how long it's taking to come out. So I guess we'll see. But... So Doom Patrol's done already? No, no, it's not done. Oh. That's the thing. But it's basically there's like Gerard, fucking write it, have him draw <laughs> it, and then come to us, and then we'll solicit it. Like it's just like yeah, because there were soliciting issues that weren't coming out, and they're just like just fucking just. Get them to us and we'll put them out. Just like it's fine. <laughs> well, he's writing what, like four books right now? No, he's not. He's just writing Doom Patrol. I thought he was also writing that uh, trippy person one. He was co-writing uh, Kate Carson. He might yeah. still be, uh, but the rest weren't his. They were just his like imprints. Oh, Young the- Animals or whatever it was yeah. called. Oh, yeah. that makes sense. That makes sense. Well, yeah. I hope I like this one. I'm really excited about it. Oh, Umbrella Academy is amazing. That thing, like, I actually got me into his work in general. Because um, I never gave a fuck about my chemical romance for a long time. It took it basically it took Umbrella Academy to make me care. Mm-hmm. Because like, it's funny is like when I talked about Umbrella Academy, it was like it's like oh my god, I really want to read that. I'm like oh you know you've heard of it. It's like yeah, I love my chemical romance. I'm like I don't fucking care about my chemical romance. Um, that's why I actually told you like when I like because like, when we were at Comic Con or we were going to Comic Con mm-hmm. and we're walking out of the hotel and you're like hey looks like Gerard Way. I'm like that is Gerard Way. And like I went back to talk to him and like literally all I talked to him about was Umbrella Academy and doom patrol 
And it wasn't until like later that day when I posted the photo on Instagram. And so we talked my whole comments. I'm like, oh, fuck, he's in a band. It didn't even occur to me to mention it. But um, he, I'm he, sure he's probably stoked about that. But... Yeah, he's probably more like happy that you were, didn't bring up freaking My Chemical Romance. Because even, even at the fucking panel, like, people would ask questions. And every other question was about My Chemical Romance. And we're like, do you not understand the panel we're at? <laughs> this is about like four different comic books that his little company is in charge of. Don't ask goddamn questions about yeah. his old band. He's been done with that for like ten years. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> it would it it would be like going to like I don't know fucking Brock Lesnar's like wrestling panel and asking him about his MMA career. Like, yes, it's still relevant and he was a part of it, but we're si- we're sitting in a WWE thing. Don't ask him about his MMA stuff. Ask him about his WWE stuff. Uh, Fair enough. Makes, I can't uh, argue with you. Uh, it makes no sense. I was getting so, you know, sons of bitches. But <laughs> that's fine. Um, Anything else? Last, I had something else I want to say, but I completely forgot, so I'll save it for next time. <laughs> I got nothing. All right, cool. Wrapping up. I am going to go watch one episode of Game of Thrones before class. Okay. And I'll be back to report next week. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> okay. This has been Man of the Machine. I am Kevin the Captain Mills. I'm Patrick Vicious. (laughs) And thanks for listening. Okay, bye.